Well, guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Beards, Brews, and Bros. I am your host, the Mossa Man, and with also my other host, Mr. Byron Moss. And finally, without any further delay, the man whose balls will be decking the halls this holiday season, Mr. K. Rob. Ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done trying to even peg what you might say. Shit. <laughs> yeah, good afternoon. Piss and poppycock to you. How's everyone? <laughs> well, I wish I would have spent a little more time trying to introduce Byron, but he kind of just showed up there for that. <laughs> hey. I'm just like uh, a nice summer breeze. I'm nice when you see me. Exactly. Well, we're going to be keeping you around a lot longer now, folks. He has now become a permanent fixture on the Beards, Brews, and Bros podcast. Without any further delay, and welcome to him. I'm being held against my will. I need help. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be all right. We'll eventually <laughs> let you out the box. Yay, fresh air. <laughs> Well, guys, how was your exciting weekends and all things above around the world? I mean, not too bad for me. Got to relax. Get ready for that workday grind. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to deal with that here in a little bit. One of our fabulous hosts actually got ink this weekend. Kyle, why don't you tell us all about it? Well, thank you, sir. I sure did get my first ink this weekend. I, I would like to say I got my uh, got my tattoo cherry popped, if you will. Uh, I had this planned out actually earlier in the summer, but life got in the way a lot. So we finally, were finally able to get it done. I attended, uh, went to a parlor and everything went great. I got a crown on my on my left uh, pectoral. And it's supposed to look it's supposed to be, you know, inspired by Elsa, because as you all know, my daughter, we call her princess. Um, so I got a little crown and her name in cursive and the date of birth above it. So, you know, first tattoo has to be sentimental. I didn't cry. I didn't bitch out. Um, well, we're proud of you, but honestly, we wish we were closer just so we could set that ink in. Ah, you know, originally I thought about getting it colored in, but decided last second that wasn't even necessary. So it was all good. But I'm very happy with the way things turned out. And now I can't wait to show my daughter. Because I told her, I said, Daddy got his name put on your chest. And she goes, I love it, Daddy. I'm like, you haven't seen it yet. That's the beauty of being a child. They don't care. You know, they're not really that. So, yeah, I went. that was the, one of the highlights of my weekend. Very, very happy with the way everything went down. Well, it sounds like everything went solid over here. I pretty much, we spent the time preparing for new arrival. We're, we're just on the edge of our seats. We're just waiting for this week to pan out and see which way it's going to go and see if we're going to be having a bundle of joy home with us immediately or if it's going to be another still playing the waiting game. Well, hey, we hope we hope week like that's that's you know what i've been looking forward to the most that you know this is baby we're on we're all on baby alert here at beards brews and bros for you and uh, miranda so you know hopefully this is the week man i'm hoping so man we've been we've been ready for it for a while but you know something we don't gotta wait for what an ironed out proof show so let's go ahead and go over (laughs) foolproof since when since the (laughs) since never (laughs) Since okay, we're we're, we're gonna hope <laughs> we're gonna hope that it's ironed out and foolproof. <laughs> Don't hold so, your breath, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if I was a wood so, to knock on, dude. <laughs> well, uh, 
I can't. Well, I can reach a wall. All yeah, right, perfect. Yeah, because you're, you're like six foot 44, and I'm not, so. No, no what's football? My soundboard, he doesn't have a knock on wood sound. He's slipping. I don't. You do need to add that to the sound effects store. You absolutely do need to add that. I, I definitely do. I need that in my life, so we'll, I'll get to work <laughs> on that. Well, Byron, why don't you tell us what we're going to be going over today? Oh, our first segment is our top five badass sidekicks. And I'm excited for this. Because oh, I feel same like here. sidekicks don't get as much love and respect as like a lot of the main characters do. So like I'm excited to hear what everybody's got. You know, uh, before we get into, you know who I blame for why sidekicks don't get any respect? Robin and Luigi. Because nobody shit on Robin. Nobody thinks they're cool. No, 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 no. no. Robin is amazing. Luigi yes. is a bitch. Oh, bullshit. Luigi's not a bad. Toad is absolutely ass. Toad is not a sidekick. He's a kickstand. <laughs> Bull crap. Whoever thought Toad was a sidekick? Well, he's a her. He's Princess Peach's and Daisy's aid character in Smash, so there's the answer. No. Don't it's definitely does not their secondary be. character. Yes. Well, let's get into it. Who wants to get this party on? Get this party started. Well, let the man finish what we're going to talk about today. Jeez, rushing oh, the product. Well, I'm a little wound up now. Well, Byron, keep on going, brother. Let the folks know. All right. So after we get our top five sidekicks, we're going to move right into Christmas memories. And then our top five presents we've ever received. Then we're going to gear up for the new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. I've seen the new trailer. It looks amazing. I can't wait to talk about that. And then our Retro Rewind is our early memories of the a set of systems that we grew up on. The GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. I think that's going to be a fun segment to go over oh, again as well, too. Oh, no I, I've already got know what I'm talking about on that one. I know my first memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start off with... let's let's we'll, Byron, we'll let you lead the charge. Why don't you tell us who is your number five on your badass sidekicks? Uh, number five for me is Dick Grayson. Like, when it comes to sidekicks, like, you always think Robin. Robin, Batman, that's how it is. But the reason I picked Dick Grayson is this. Out of all the Robins out there, I feel he's the one that became more than just a sidekick. Like, he started out as uh, Batman's ward, and he uh, grew up and learned from him. And then eventually he becomes his own uh, super, or, uh, hero in character with uh, Nightwing. And then... At one point in time, he actually wears the cowl of Batman. So, like, when it comes to sidekicks that, like, I feel like really define themselves, I, I get Dick Grayson's number five for me. Well, you left off his uh, stuff with Agent Grayson as well. During I, that time, faking his death, he actually worked with Amanda Waller in the service. And I, I won't go into too much detail of that because he actually made my list as well. That's fair. It's just uh, I'm not as familiar with that arc of Dick Grayson's uh, canon. He's got a long list of accolades. That's the biggest thing. He is one of the few sidekicks that has gone even further on and beyond. And the development of his character and just in general. When I'll grace some more upon that later. So, Kyle, uh, who is your number five? Choice to start, to start off our top five this week. My number five, and I thought about this long and hard. And I, and I wanted to cross over and do something a little different off the beaten path. Y'all obviously grew up watching Family Matters. We all love us some Steve Urkel. When Steve was in a pinch or he needed to he needed to channel into somebody else to fully convey what he's trying to say or feel, 
he turned when, when he turned into my man Stefan or Raquel. I'm gonna call that. I'm gonna call that boy a straight up sidekick to Steve Urkel. I love everything about what he represented for Steve. It was his way of conveying the cool side that Steve wasn't. But on the flip side, when he had to get rough, y'all, Jared, I know you remember the episode where there were some neighborhood bullies. One of them played by your boy JDF. I know you remember that. Oh yeah. When he brought the transformation chamber out to that park and he turned into Bruce Lee Urkel. (laughs) Those two are my number five. Steve Urkel's alter egos, not counting cousin Myrtle Urkel. Only people he turned into in the transformation chamber. Because Stefan was a homeboy. He was cool. And he would talk he would talk Steve up for Laura, even though she didn't deserve him, but whatever. But he was a G. He was a ride-or-die homeboy. Bruce Lee Urkel could mess some stuff up when need be. So a two-for-one. My number five is Urkel's alter egos. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I enjoyed it when even Carl stepped into that transformation chamber. It was the same episode, wasn't it? Yes. Well, they had several different episodes where he rolled out the transformation chamber. So it was one with him, and then there was the one, the episode actually had Richie in the... Oh, 3J. Yeah, him and 3J were the were the ones that cleaned up the playground there. And then, of course, you had the warehouse one where you had Steve and then, of course, Carl going there. The corniest shit on Earth, but, man, you got to love it. And who doesn't love themselves an Urkel? But, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be a little different with my number five. And, yeah, there we go. So, Jared, now we got to know yours. So my number five is actually going to be Aaron from Final Fantasy X and Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, yes. Hell yes. So the reason why I picked him for one was uh, his role in Kingdom Hearts 2. You find him in the underworld with Hades. And, of course, Hades is controlling him and has control over his spirit or, or his soul, quick, essentially. And, you know, just all the badass moments, the combos you can do, you know, you get the wicked move spiral. But then you look at him being a sidekick in 10. It's fantastic. You know, him and his oversized sword, you know, the massive amount of damage. Dude was a straight up brute. He was yeah. your guy if you wanted to fuck something up. And I love me some Orn. You know how much I love that game. But I didn't want, and originally I didn't put him on my list. And I thought about it because he's in a large group. Well, I mean, I counted him as, like, same way with Kingdom Hearts, though. You had, like, Donald and Goofy. If he's a member in your party, he can be counted as a sidekick. I can see oh, that. Yeah, I totally get that. Plus, he had that badass speech before you fought Unaleska. Um, absolutely love it. And his the way he returns in the game when you're in Luka, and you just see this big freaking sword, and he just shows up wreck shop and kills some fiends like a total badass. Yeah, that's a great choice, man. Well, his speeches, and it's like, no one writes my story, you know? You know, and, like, the one part I would say that sucks when you're at, um, when you, when you're, when you fight in, uh, Xanarkin Ruins against Unaleska, and then he reveals to Titus, I, too, am an unsent. Like, oh, that sucks. Well, I mean, one line I enjoyed from Kingdom Hearts 2, and then, of course, you know, his, and during 10 was your pain shall be twofold. <laughs> I freaking love Ooh, it. When tough. that guy's staring you down and telling you that. That's absolutely tough. I loved his shooting star overdriver. He just knocks, knocks enemies clear off the map. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Love everything about that. That's an excellent choice. So, Byron, we're at number four now. And we'll see what you got. 
I'll say this much. Y'all went very, like, somewhat non-traditional with your choices. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point here. We're staying off the beaten path. Now, yeah. obviously, the further you go up my list, obviously, yes, we're going to tie back in. Like I told Kyle earlier, my, my list is very superhero top-heavy. Well, uh, for me, I went more a little more traditional with my full list. So my number four for me is Chewbacca from Star Wars. Ah. Fair enough. Like, okay. Like so new trilogy aside like Chewbacca was literally one of the best characters like the way him and Han's relationship was like everything Han did for Chewie everything Chewie did for Han was amazing and if anybody out there has read the books uh, the EU or Legends lore like this is how much of a ride or die Chewie was Chewie literally did everything he could to save uh, Han's son uh, Anakin literally got him off the planet and literally had a moon dropped on him to kill him that's pretty boss. You talking about Ben, his son Ben? No, that's that's that is the new trilogy canon. I'm talking about the Legends and oh, uh, extended okay. universe lore. Okay. Like okay. In, the, in the lore, like literally, like he did. He saved uh, uh, Han's son in the uh, Legends lore, uh, Anakin, from dying, and since so he got him off planet and ended up having a moon dropped on him, and he died. But like, literally, that's a ride or die right there. Like literally, li- Chewie literally did everything he could to. Uh, Paid back the life debt that uh, he owed Han, and just like Chewie's a ride or die, like easily that's top five fav- best sidekicks ever. Yeah, that's a true definition, man. Great explanation. Fair enough on that one. Kyle, what uh, you got? Uh, my number four, um, and I swear I could not think of this guy's name last night for the life. Let me put it like this: If you are a sidekick to Chuck motherfucking Norris. <laughs> you always deserve recognition. And I, oh, I wish I could think of his name right now, but um, old dude from Walker, Texas. I gotta look it up while we're at it. Liddell. Thank you. I know, played by Clarence Gilliard Jr. Leave it to Jared to know these characters. Of course he would. But <laughs> think about it like this. Like, dude, you are rolling on a freaking horse in modern-day Texas. Kicking ass in jeans, I might add, with Chuck Norris. You are unfuckwithable officially. Because the eyes of the Rangers are upon you. <laughs> great theme song, by the way. Um, but yeah, that's my number four. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Like, dude, if you're rolling with Chuck, you're instantly badass. Like, uh, honorable mention for Kid from Lone Wolf McQuaid. <laughs> the only thing he asked for in the whole thing is, give me a beer, kid. <laughs> Fair enough. More than fair. So, what is your number three? Me four? You mean my oh, four, four. <laughs> I haven't Listen, I, I, I haven't had enough coffee today. Fair enough. So, Byron, I actually went more back towards the beaten path like we talked about. My number four would be Kid Flash, Wally West. Okay. reason why I picked Wally West, obviously, you know, Barry Allen, fantastic Flash, but it was really Wally West that harnessed the speed force to its full potential. You know, being able to jump from time period and, you know, the most dramatic way to get his powers back, of course. But, you know, he wore the mantle of regular Flash very well. That's what I look for in a sidekick, somebody that can ascend beyond what the mantle was already represented as. Honestly, for me, like growing up, I was not as familiar with uh, Barry Allen as the Flash. I grew up with the uh, Justice League TV series. So well, yeah, you had Wally. Yeah, it was Wally. 
So like, not that's an excellent choice. Yeah, that actually is a, that's a really good choice for your number four. Now on number three, Mister Moss, if you will, do us the honors. Oh, so you want me to lead off again? Well, I'm gonna stick into the DCU again one more time, and you know. As much shit talking as you did about Robins, I'm going to bring probably one of the most brutal Robins up in ever creation, Jason Todd. Ooh. Man ascends to the mantle of Red Hood. Guy comes back from the grave after being brutally beaten to death with a crowbar by the Joker and watching the death of his mother right across from him. Comes back, fucks up the whole town, pretty much brings all the crime syndicate leaders' heads in a bag to the main boss and just tears the whole world apart. And then Batman can't figure out who he is. And, of course, you know, being trained by Batman, Jason Todd is just giving this man the fits so bad. He's catching him off guard. At one point in the fight, he actually removes his mask, and then he's like, just keep it fair, I'll show you who I am too. And just, it gets so much better. And they have a little back and forth conversation in the comics about, he's like, I'm what this city needs. And then you end up getting it later where Batman beats him half to death and throws him through a concrete wall (laughs) and tells him that he's not going to be what the city needs, not like this, and then just beats the holy hell out of him. (laughs) Nice. That's, That's brutal. I like it. I like it, brother. Uh Uh-huh. Well, man, let me listen to hear what your number three is. Yeah. Well, that Byron, that's on uh, you. That's that's all yours. All right, uh, for number three, I have Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho. Ah, see, I thought about going up that way, but I was gonna use like Botan. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: like Botan's a great, like it's, I guess you could say her sidekick, but I consider her more like a support character, not really a sidekick. Kubara. Well, I was thinking more of her to Kumimba than anything. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, you think about that, like, the whole show, Kubara is riding all over Yusuke's coattails the whole fucking time. Like, he's literally, like, comic relief, but at times, like, when he's actually serious, it's hilarious. Like His headband of love. Yeah, it's the headband <laughs> of love. Going after Yukina. Yes. God damn it. You gotta admit, though, like, when it comes to, like, sidekicks, like, he's just a quintessential sidekick. And he gets his moments to shine in the spotlight, but, like, the whole time, he's just riding the coattails of Yusuke. It's just great. Well, and Chris Abbott did a great voice. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Freaking A, just so many times, and then the final episode, when you finally get it, when he's just like, oh, it's like you came back so I can beat you, and you can fi- I can finally be king. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it always goes back to him trying to be that one up over Yusuke. Yes. Oh. And then he's just like, oh, no, somebody had to come back around here to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's Great so, book. so good. Kyle, where are you riding at on number three? I'm going to my favorite console of all time, Blast Processing, and we're going to hit up. We're, we're hitting up the Sega Genesis for this one. An original antagonist turned sidekick, the, the the creature that solves everything with punching, Knuckles the the Echidna from Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh, Ooh. everything solved by punching. He fists for justice. Oh, shut <laughs> up! So, so question for you, Kyle: Have you seen yes. the Sonic Two trailer? Oh hell yeah! Dude, Knuckles looks so good. <laughs> yes. Uh, geek, so no longer do we have, as fans, have to resort to bullying the internet 
and Hollywood into changing the changing any character designs. That's not necessary this time. They got it right the the first time. Yeah. And also, you know, voicing Knuckles, Idris Elba. Have you yep. seen? Have you seen the, uh, the stuff going on right now? A lot right now about uh, sexy Knuckles. No, and I don't think I want to. No, apparently there's been some stuff going around where like uh, when Idris Elba's first few lines of Knuckles came out with him like on screen, or whatever. Like there's a lot of people like, wait a second, this is too sexy. Ah, uh, so he, I guess he was too smooth at first. I guess, yeah. but like, no, Knuckles is a great choice. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you kindly. And once again, I have to remember when you first play Sonic Three, he's protecting all the emeralds from Sonic because he's been convinced by Doctor Eggman, Robotnik, whatever the hell you want to call him, that Sonic is here to steal the emeralds. With, but then you know. Uh, I forget what, you know, what the name of the zone is where Sonic beats Sense in the Knuckles and tells him, dude, I'm not I'm not the enemy. And then they power up from then on. And once again, he 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 solves everything by fucking shit up with his with his hands. Can't beat it. No, you can't. He oh. scales the walls with those fists. <laughs> he does. And also, did you like dude? He has a super form in Sonic and Knuckles that's stronger than Super Sonic. He has high he has hyper knuckles. Now, the only way you can achieve that, because you have to put Sonic 3 on top with the lock-on feature on the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, mm. and you acquire all seven of the regular Chaos Emeralds, and then when you get to Sonic and Knuckles, you find a special stage, and it sends you to like this fortress where you store the seven Emeralds, and they get locked into these chambers where you do seven more special stages to get Master Emeralds. They're larger versions of them. And if you get all of those, yes, that's 14 special stages. You get Hyper Knuckles, who glows pink and white and red. And when you glide and you slam into a wall, the screen shakes. Hmm. Byron sounds like Super Dragon Balls to me. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's like Super Saiyan God Sonic or some shit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I see fan art of this coming out. <laughs> The rage he feels, all he knows is pain. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, he can't beat Donkey Kong in a death battle. Whatever. Uh, fuck that shit. <laughs> Moving on. You got a number three to give us, so who's your, your next one? So, my number two is actually going to be on the path of survival horror. And I know you know, Kyle. Byron may not be privy to it, but who was Chris Redfield's best sidekick? I don't know. Jill. Jill Valentine. You bet your ass. Jill Valentine. Okay, then. This is a lady that went from slaying in the city of Nemesis with Carlos by her side to teaming up with Chris Redfield in the, you know, obviously the very first game, then taking down Albert, Albert Wesker together, and then trying to go in later on, you find out in five that she's not really dead. The whole thing was Chris was plagued by the, th- the thoughts that she had died back at the mansion. But comes back in five and just kicks the dog shit out of him and Sheva. It's, a, it's unreal. And then, of course, the most badass fight scene where you've got to shoot the device off her chest. <laughs> you remember that in five, Kyle? I didn't get far enough, dude. I didn't play campaign mode in five. I only played multiplayer with you. Fair enough. But anyway, there's a point in the game where you have to actually shoot the device off her chest. And if you miss, you kill her. But I can remember having like the the biggest gun, S and W five hundred mag, and like lining it up just perfectly to one shot that thing. 
Because <laughs> you got to think this thing's a giant elephant gun and one hits a lot of things. That's pretty badass, honestly sounding. But, you know, faking or, you know, surviving and then surviving the experimentation and everything else and then just surviving in general Raccoon City during three. That lady's a badass sidekick in my book. Yeah, no shit. I like that choice a lot, Byron. Who you got at your number two? So my number two is actually originally going to be my number one, but another character. Uh, just I couldn't. I couldn't say they. I, I just couldn't make them uh, not be number one. So my number two is Krillin from Dragon Ball. Ah, yes. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. Like when it comes to sidekicks, like Krillin's the best. Like. He literally, how many times has he died throughout the series, and he's still willing to get up and keep fighting? Well, and plus he's got a hot banging wife, too. Yeah, <laughs> the only man brave enough to lay Android 18. Oh, goodness. And so then later that, on, yeah. So if, that doesn't take, if that doesn't take balls, I don't know what does. <laughs> but, like, it's like, every time, like, he's, he's just such an amazing character just to watch him. Like, he's just such good friends. Goku, like, in the original Dragon Ball, like, you see them training together, and you see, like, how much stronger Goku is than Krillin, and then in Dragon Ball Z, like again, he's, every time you see like all these other characters becoming leaps and bounds stronger, but Krillin is still there trying to hold his own. Again, gets really has PTSD from Frieza blowing him up. Like, you still, admit, though, he's the strongest human, though. Yes, yes, he is. Oh, no question. The only person that might become close or even debatable would be Tien, but then again, is like is Tien really human at that point in time? He's got an eyeball on his forehead. I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, so it's like that's the only person I can even think of that might even come close to potentially being on par. Well, I was going to say Master Roshi. We can't forget about him. Oh, yeah. But when he's like, not busy perving. <laughs> well, the, the, the big thing All those random nosebleeds. The big thing with Roshi is, though, like, he already admitted, like, he's got his limits. Because he's old. Like, he's, strong, mm-hmm. he's a strong character, but he's old, and he's got his limits what he can do. We, we see that in uh, the... Uh, Battle uh, for uh, uh, tournament for the universes or whatever, or whatever it's called in uh, super. Like Roshi yeah. admits, he's got his limits. We can do, but Krillin doesn't have those limits. No, one of my favorite moments though with Krillin and Goku is later on. Like I think it's either before the tournament or post the tournament. He has Goku to hit him <laughs> before the tournament. Yeah, power. Like, tournament power, that's it. Tournament, tournament power, that was it. Tournament power, yeah. So <laughs> you've got Goku, like, do you really want me to? He's like, don't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. Oh, my God, it's so good. Oh, my God. He sent him, sent him flying. He couldn't stop. And then he's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so that's that's why Krillin's my number two. Like I said, he was going to originally be my number one, but, like, there's somebody else. Like, my number one, I really I, I just couldn't not make him number one. Fair enough. Strong choice. Uh, my, my number two, I gave a lot of thought about last night. And the fact, then the fact that this movie just celebrated a 30-year anniversary, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. And some people, when they, when they think about this character, they'll think, is he actually a sidekick? I mean, he kind of was, you know, he was the person that really was stronger than the main character. But the way I look at it is, by the end of this movie, they work together as one for a common goal. And all you need is one word. Rufio. Oh. 30th anniversary of Hook was, I think, Saturday. And, yeah, he completely could kick Peter Banning's ass, but he taught him how to be the pan again. In oh, yeah. And the way, especially the way the kids and the all the Lost Boys looked up to him, 
Uh, but by the very end, the way he looked up to Peter when he was dying, he said, I wish I had a dad like you. Yeah. And the, uh, and the, the feels. They, they work. I know, right? Bang and take Yeah. No Bang Mung tongue. <laughs> remember, Hook is the only reason we know what a paramecium brain is. Brain is. True. It's a, it's a, it, it said it's a, it's a one-celled creature with no brain that can't fly. <laughs> yeah, that's me, man. I'm a lawyer. But I, I, I thought about that one. Kill the lawyer! Kill the lawyer! <laughs> all grown up, all grown ups are pirates. Well, I'm not a grown up. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> but that's my number two. And yeah, it did kind of hit me in the feels thinking about that scene where he where he died and everything. But yeah, that I felt that's a very strong choice. I'd agree. Now, now we come to our number one. Uh, uh, no, we still have Jared done his number two. I can't remember. I, I did my number two. Oh, okay, skip number three. I did not skip number three. Totally did, dude. All right, I told you my number three was. It was freaking Red Hood. All right, so uh, let's, let's let Kyle lead off of the last one. Kyle, yeah, I your think so one. too. We need to let the old man have his moment. Old man, huh? Yeah, <laughs> keep forgetting where we're at. Shut up. <laughs> Slap all y'all. Now, this is another one that I've thought about. And would you guys really say there are a lot of – we don't say, like, badass in, in, in the Disney, you know, in the Disney universe. So I, I wanted to change the definition of, of a badass sidekick to someone who's just amazing, an amazing sidekick. And out of the Disney universe, and, you know, it's Robin Williams. My number one, honestly, is Genie from Aladdin. I would agree. Fair enough. Because not all, he does show a side of badassness when he shows his strength fighting against Jafar when Aladdin gives him the freedom to turn on Jafar. Um, and he said, I wish for you to be an all-powerful genie and everything that comes with it. Not only that, but dude, he does everything within his power, within the rules, to ensure that Aladdin gets the girl. That's a home, Not only is that a sidekick, that's a homeboy. That's a brother. And Aladdin loves him enough to give him the one thing that no one ever thought about, and that was his freedom. Yeah, I have no uh, arguments I, here. No <laughs> arguments for me on that choice. I mean, great, fantastic choice. I got on a Robin Williams kick last night, and I, I got a little emotional. Not gonna lie, you know what also sucks? What Robin Williams died on my birthday. Did y'all know that? No, I didn't. No, uh, I didn't know that. Rest in peace, Robin. August, oh yeah, all, all the time. August eleventh, twenty fourteen. Worst birthday ever. Um, for that same reason, but dude, I, I thought about that a lot. I'm like, man, Robin really killed the genie role, but there's a lot more weight to it than just the songs and the laughter and everything. Like he really became like like a brother to Aladdin that he never had. So that's that's my number one. Hey, that's an amazing choice. Well, thank you, thank you, sir. So, Jared, what's your number one? I want to know. Well, my number one actually was your bottom five. I was going for Dick Grayson for my number one. <laughs> because once again, you know, man wore the cowl of Batman. Obviously faked his death for a period of time to go work with Amanda Waller and became Agent Grayson. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the man has so many different accolades. It, it's unreal. You know, he was the one that surpassed the the mantle of Robin, you know, obviously the second best Robin I can think of would probably either be Tim Drake and then probably the most violent Robin would have to go to Damian Wayne, but. Oh, his name's Damian. That, 
says enough. <laughs> well, his mom was a hell of a lady. <laughs> We're gonna leave, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> she was the only one I think that ever got the best of Batman. Lures not not and <laughs> drugs him and then steals the seed. <laughs> Whoa! What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's how Damian Wayne came about. She met him out in the middle of the desert, drugged him, and <laughs> took his seed. <laughs> that's straight up date rape. Yeah, pretty much. Only person brave enough to date rape Batman. Yeah. Wow. But unless you count Barbara Gordon. <laughs> That's, so just that, emotion, that's, that's just emotional baggage on that one. Well, I mean, like the whole thing. He actually impregnated her during uh, one of the death of the family arcs because then you had the conflict between him and Dick. Freaking Dick. Yeah, it, it was terrible. <laughs> you know, Batman's done some shitty shit, <laughs> but. Let us, let us be a lesson to you, folks. Don't go to comics for relationship advice. You're going to get the worst possible examples. Exactly, you know, same way with like Superman and Lois, you know, alternate timeline. You got it where he kills Lois and he's with freaking Wonder Woman. What? Yeah. The New 52, there's literally a scene of them screwing in midair and flying through a mountain. Yeah. I I think I'm mortified now. And then you had a pregnant freaking Wonder Woman for a little while. But it was disputed if it was ever Batman or Superman, so... Well, well, damn, uh, Diana Prince. How you doing? <laughs> he made, she definitely made them wonder. Hey, hey. But Next time thing, on Maury. <laughs> a, a billionaire versus a newspaper boy. <laughs> I have a bitch. <sighs> but Mr. anyway. Moss. <laughs> Jeez. I think we broke Kyle. <laughs> we, we, we've gone off the fucking rails here on, on Triple B's today. <laughs> we, when we, we've we enlightened him. <laughs> when do we not go off the rails? These Truth. are also facts. All right, so, so I'll, I'll get us back on there. So my number one, I feel, is the quintessential best. Like, this is the person that literally, you start quite wondering, was he really a sidekick or was he really the main character? Hmm. And I'm talking about Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. See, you took me really back on that one. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> like, Samwise is literally Frodo's gardener. Like, literally has no business being anywhere outside of Shire. But from the time the movies or books, whichever you prefer, both, all, all of it's great. Like, literally, goes, goes on his venture. He should no place. Literally carries Frodo's ass at the end all the way up fucking Mount Doom to make sure the ring is destroyed. Like, literally, he's he is the one person that keeps Frodo grounded and help makes helps make sure he gets through and completes the mission. So literally, encountered Mary and Pippin at some point. I mean, they're good side characters, but like Samwise is that character of literally he's such a good sidekick. You start wondering, is he not the really the main character of this whole story? You could kind of view that in the same way. Same was like uh, Bilbo and uh, God bless Gollum, Gandalf. Well, Gollum as well too. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, I said for me, like I said, the number one sidekick out there, like the true OG, like sidekick, it's Samwise. Like I, I can't think of uh, personally, I, just, I can't think of a better like sidekick out there. Like if you wanted to create a psychic character, mimic Samwise. He emphasizes the term protection. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your weekly bromenclature, courtesy of Jared Mossman. 
Exactly. Oh, that was a very fun top five, guys. And once again, folks, we always recommend if you have any suggestions, uh, feel free to inbox us at beards, brews, and bros at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook page. And, um, you know, we're always open and listening. And actually, I did get a couple of suggestions, and they came from my family. I asked uh, my sisters and my mom and my brother uh, what were their most favorite Christmas gifts. And let's be honest, those of us who are parents, our, our biggest Christmas gifts are our children. Um, without a doubt, one that stood out out of all the responses, and this was a big staple on us when we got a Sega Genesis for Christmas. We got a Model Two, and that's where that's where the uh, the heavy competition between me and my sister Ashley over Sonic the Hedgehog started. And um, that's you know I got introduced to Sonic Spinball, the great uh, Genesis version of Aladdin. You know, but so that was that was a big one in our house. And speaking of, you know what, you want to transition over to um, discussing because Christmas is coming up, guys. And you know, as as we're older, and you know, Byron, you're married, and Jared, not you're going to be getting married, and you have children as well. Christmas takes on a different meaning than when you were when we were kids. Oh but yeah. Today we want to discuss what our favorite Christmas memories of when we were when we were a formative, scrappy young lad. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's something else, too. You know, we've kept this trend with the holiday discussion with each and every one of our podcasts so far. You know, this is the time of year where it's like you get that feel of nostalgia. You get to think back to simpler times and times whenever you were a kid and you were just like you said, a scrappy young pup. Oh, not no scrappy do here, though. Sorry. You. Filth incarnate. Hey, hey, hey. Scrappy wasn't bad in like the side movies with Shaggy and Scooby. You can't argue that. Bull Scrappy uh, Dude was a bad was a bad idea from day one. I'll, I'll give you props on the side movies of like you know main stuff. No, he was garbage. But like yeah, main garbage. Like, yes, like uh the whole uh Scooby Doo and the Ghoul School. Like Scrappy was amazing in that movie. Yeah, the Fight me on werewolf it. wasn't bad either. Well, as we were, back to context, y'all. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Christmas obviously coming up, and you know we're older, and it feels a little different. But there are still moments, as in at our age, where you know you're going to geek out and you know become a little kid over things you might get. Uh, so, you know, I want to hear from the both of you your mo- your fondest Christmas memories, whether it's you know moments with family or a really awesome gift you remember getting. Or, hey, I don't know, maybe a top five of your best Christmas gifts. <laughs> well, for me, I'll, before we go to a top five Christmas gifts, like for me, Christmas, the memories I always have are spending time with my family. And like Christmas Eve, we'd always go to our church and do Christmas Eve service. And we'd always end with a candlelight singing of uh, Silent Night. Like for me, it's just always been a fond memory. Even to this day, we try to keep up that tradition. Uh, I remember like going to bed, like super excited for Christmas to my family. So for me, it was growing up. It wasn't Christmas unless me and my brothers were waking up at five a.m., six a.m., right open presents. But the biggest thing this is always gets me every every time I think about it is my dad was a morning person. Like I kid you not, every day of the year, like he'd be up bright and early, ready to go to work, no problems. But I kid you not, the one day, the one day of the year he'd always want to sleep in was Christmas morning. Well, that was his guaranteed day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he intentionally did it to make us squirm and suffer. 
Like, no, I, I could see that. No joke. We, we wake up like, Dad, like, 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 I'm not a morning person. Never have been, never will be. But like, Christmas was younger. I'd wake up super early with my brothers and we'd be like, I'm present, I'm present, I'm present. And my dad is just like, no, I'm not getting up yet. I'm not getting up yet. I'll get up like an hour, two hours. It's like, we're dying to open presents. And he's like, just dragging it out. And we're like, ugh. Is it bad I can hear his voice going, boys, get back to the, be quiet. Yes, yes. <laughs> How many like, times can I, you tell us that? <laughs> uh, I know, man. I, I just, it's those repressed memories you get. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> like, you hear those fast footsteps from next door. Go to bed. <laughs> The man who was deaf as a like uh so like couldn't hear anything, but like the moment at night when like we would uh be with friends or whatnot, he would hear like a pin drop. Oh, he'd be prepared. He would take us to task on a lot of those <laughs> Oh yeah, items. he would. Or ask us, Why aren't you guys back yet? We're not there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's for, for me that's a lot of like very fond memories. Like it's it's for me I guess they're a little bit more like uh, nostalgic for me because like uh, my dad passed away years ago so like just thinking about those things and like having those fond memories it just it it helped ease the pain well that that's a wonderful story uh, one thing that I, that I always remember for our family is every year when my grandma Roberts was was with us and she passed in 2016 uh, recently the five year anniversary of the passing she passed on her birthday. She was 94 years old on December 1st, and she decided she wanted to go home, to go home to her husband and her firstborn son. So what we remember, what I always remember, and she would send it along with my Aunt Debbie, who lives in Ohio, what, a humongous box of Christmas candy, fruit, and all kinds of goodies. And we just called it the box. <laughs> the box was, was our, like, I'll call it like our family tradition for years, and um, there were always these these very specific brand of chips, and I cannot remember them. I'd have to ask my mom right now, but she's at work. I'd have to ask her what they are, but she always got – she always claimed dibs on these particular chips. And I guess she always, used to always enjoy them when she lived in Ohio. But the box every year would come and, – and, and this thing's heavy, and it was deep. Have bags of like uh, Milky Way, Snickers, you know, mixes of different chocolates and all kinds of stuff and fruit and everything. I miss that so much, and I haven't thought about it in a in a long time. But that was the one like thing that always stood out to me for Christmas every year was waiting on the box to arrive from uh, Grandma Roberts, and yeah, you know, I really. I really miss that. And, you know, not to get sentimental, but because it was five years ago, she passed the same year my daughter was born. And I really wish she would have got a chance to meet her. So, you know, all right. Okay, not, not trying to get too, too sappy here. Cause I'm, you know, getting a little choked up. Jared, I know you got some great family memes. Why don't you let it, let the folks know. See my family memes always revolves around. Once again, we're going to stick on the family tab here. My, going to my grandparents, you know, obviously I, was around my grandparents most of my life. I mean, they literally were my next door neighbors. They got to put up with all of my shenanigans and everything else. And then every Christmas we would all get together up there. You know, the Mossmans, we would gather up, we would get there, you know, exchange presents. We always did a gift exchange. I remember I got a Britney Spears CD from my cousin, Matt. one year. <laughs> <laughs> you got a sit Britney Spears CD. Yeah, it, I can't remember what year it was, but yeah, it was what I was wanting. He was wanting like a, 
I can't remember. I had him, and he had me, and I had my mom help me pick out something of my sister. And she's like, they ain't gonna want that. Because, <laughs> you know, there's an age gap there at that time. He's a teenager. I'm still some young, dumb kid. <laughs> so that, those are my kind of memories there, is just being up there, hanging out with them, and then, of course... Uh, depending on what, you know, everybody was doing, we would go back to the back. My grandparents had a, a old Nintendo and then they had the Super Nintendo. We would play video games and everything else and just go outside and play and just be rambunctious kids. You know, you have all this acreage to run on. You pretty much found some sort of trouble to get into. See, and you know, that that was one of the cool perks that had to be for you is, you know, living on the same road as your grandparents and all of you were, you know, had your, had your own property. So you're all right there and you always got the opportunity to spend time with your grandparents. And, you know, that's a that's a real blessing. And in and, and, and all honesty, funny story, um, though, my grandma actually made me breakfast every day up until I graduated high school. No kidding. That's cool, dude. The whole thing was I wasn't the most astute academic student ever. So You don't uh, say. <laughs> I wouldn't say. So my <laughs> grandmother thought it was the best thing of like, well, if he has a good breakfast, he's going to do good. And most of the time while grandma was cooking, I'd fall back asleep back there in the guest bedroom. And then she would let me know as soon as the bus went off and she'd have breakfast ready to go. It was always eggs and bacon every morning. Every oh, fucking morning, and then dream. she was there that day of my graduation. And she's just like, "We've earned this." And my mother's like, "Yes, we have." <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Um, you know, once again, Christmas is coming up. It'll be um, twelve days from now. And um, now, Jared, are you going to be? Are your parents coming up to visit for Christmas, or are you going to see them? Or? Well, since we're going to have a new baby, kind of like I talked oh, last yeah. week, we're going to be right. staying here. And, you know, they came up this last weekend. They helped us get the house in order and get everything kind of prepared for baby. We've been pretty much getting everything ready, re- rearranging places. We uh, changed rooms with our oldest, and we cleaned out the music room a little bit. It's been demusicified a little bit for Jesse and to kind of get things ready for the next crib. So, well, sound, yeah, sounds absolutely great. Byron, are you going to be go- going to be seeing your mom for Christmas? Yeah, um, me and my wife will be going down to Popper Bluff uh, Christmas Eve. We'll spend Christmas Eve with my mom and some family, and then we'll drive up to Winsville to her uh, sister's place and do Christmas with her family there on Christmas Day. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, man. Uh, very yeah, glad. Byron, you better not make it a white Christmas. I'm going to tell you that right now. <sighs> oh jared we definitely are not about that um his in-laws are right knocking at his door wanting to know about grandkids no joke jeez that's fast (laughs) that escalated quickly (laughs) very it's it's like it's like they, they don't have enough grandkids like i mean between two of her siblings like older siblings they have like 13 or so I did a head count there. There was a lot. They have enough to say grace over. They need to leave you alone. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, get, get, give the guy a break, why don't you? It's like, um, I just got married to your daughter. Now you're trying to tell me to do the thing? No. <laughs> that means no. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, 
Now, I, either I will be spending it here with my daughter, or I may be going to Pop or Bluff, wink, wink, to spend it with my mom and um, sister and nieces. So, nice. you know, and I also have an I have an have an invite to stop by from from a, a very close friend. She's having a big Italian um, dinner at her new place uh, for for Christmas. So that you know, there's there's options. Either way, it's going to be a very blessed and wonderful holiday season. And looking at what's sitting in my bedroom for my daughter right now, she's going to have a very spoiled Christmas. You spoil your daughter. I would never have guessed. I would never. not in my wildest dreams either. You have, y- y'all haven't met my child, but if, if you have, I just want you to imagine. Uh, imagine a mini version of Hillary Banks from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't tell you how many times this weekend I've had to break up fights. Either, hey, Bob hit me. Oh my God! I'm bringing a third one in the mix. <laughs> you, your children rambunctious? Never. Oh God! I, I cannot tell you how many times this weekend I've had to break up fights where either Layla's popped him and he doesn't cry about it, he just goes over there and grabs something, pops her with it. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so what we're hearing is Jared's getting a taste of what he did to his parents. I no, knew I this was gonna happen, dude. I, I was so hoping that would happen. I'm not even gonna lie to you. <laughs> I hate you all. No, it, it's just one of those things. It's just like I didn't. Me and my sister didn't go to war like that. But Jesus, no, this is karma from all the other headaches you gave your parents. The, the headaches that they knew about, yes. <laughs> yeah, thankfully there's a lot of them they don't. I'm just gonna leave it. At, I'm just gonna leave it at that, dude. You know what this reminds me of? Like I swear, it's like when Bam Margera finally became a dad, and if his son winds up doing all the stuff, like half of the stuff he did to ape, pure karma. Pure evil is what it sounds like. Ah, well, I mean, he unless his son six and six puts an animal in a, in a bathroom or something that he's afraid of, which like Bam's afraid of snakes. Because y'all remember in the Jackass movie how he uh, put an alligator in the house and it made her freak out, and she finally cussed. <laughs> dude, he was always trying to clown them. Not even trying to, dude. On the show on Viva with Bam, he swapped Phil's toothpaste with hamburger meat. <laughs> oh my god. That, that was like the same episode where he ironed like hamburgers on all of Phil's clothes. So everywhere he wore when he wore hamburgers on. Goodness, uh, dude, I don't think I don't think your children are gonna give it to you that bad because you're not gonna allow it, but they're gonna push you. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the wilier years. But you know what? Their dad's ten times wilier than they'll ever be. <laughs> the question is, will dad be able to keep up with them? Oh yeah. No, uh, I'm prepared. I am prepared. He says, "Yes, so he says." Lips one thing, my brother. I'm just saying, when it comes down to time, you know, you two will be the first two I'll call whenever I can't get the job done. Oh, jeez. Well, but next up, we have something very, very special. Obviously, the the trailer for the brand new Spider-Man movie just launched, and I know you guys are super, super excited about it. So I want to gauge your your immediate thought, and also we're gonna get we're gonna get a little more knee deep into our Spider Man fandom and talk about one one thing that has gotten progressively better as the years have passed: Spider Man video games. So Byron, uh, would you like to take the lead here and give your thoughts on the new trailer, the upcoming movie? Honestly, I'm super I'm super excited about this. Like. It's opening up a Pandora's box, essentially, with the fully really introducing the multiverse. And with uh, 
I think Disney acquired the rights to the X-Men franchise and opens up the doors for like keeping a lot of the original actors from even the reboots into the uh, MCU. So like I'm excited for that. That's I guess, a whole other tangent, but like as a whole like this it looks like it's going to be an amazing uh homage and compilation of every uh superhero Spider-Man movie that's come out cuz like let's be honest the Spider-Man movie that came out to Maguire, like that kind of set a precedent for what a superhero movie could really be. Oh, yeah, the first oh, one had great right. popularity. So, like, paying homage to that, and again, they still won't confirm anything, even though we had leaks, spoilers, whatever. Like, the idea we might both get uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield on screen with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Like. I'm stoked for that. Like, if that's a true, like, it's going to be amazing. I mean, either way, it's going to be an amazing movie, but, like, to see all three on screen at once is going to be amazing. Yeah, that's going to be super, super cool. And for people who who were, you know, with the young kids, teenagers, when the Tobey Maguire first Spider-Man movie dropped, that's going to be a big pop moment for, for us, you know. Especially, like, if Tobey Maguire comes back as Spider-Man, like, we might get a slight redemption from the third Spider-Man movie. Just imagine how Never loud happened. those theaters are going to pop whenever they appear on screen, though. Oh. Can, we, can we get a Bonesaw reference in the movie, at least? Bonesaw is ready! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just need that tongue-in-cheek reference. Now, that, that would probably make my entire experience more than anything. It's like watching the Power Rangers movie, how they had the cameo from Kimberly and Tommy at the very end. Yeah, it was good. I wish they would have kept the idea of having him have long hair, though, because there's one shot where they did it with long hair and one they did it without. I don't I... like JDF, like, which, like, like, he's cool with without long hair in real life, but in the movie, like, Tommy Oliver has the ponytail in the... In the... He's got to have that half pony. <laughs> totally. You can't have it all. But we can try. <laughs> No, I'm actually pretty excited about the prospect of Tobey Maguire and having Andrew Garfield appear in these films. I mean, it just it, it honestly, it's going to be it's a good time to be a fan. That's the biggest thing. Amen, brother. Yeah. Now, you know, back in the day, one one uh, former now one form of representation that we had for Spider-Man outside of the comic books was video games. Now you guys know the early the early Spider-Man games, Atari Twenty Six Hundred, NES, were hot dog water. Things got a lot better as we got into sixteen bits and a little more advanced. So you know we're all of different gaming generations to a small degree. I want to know what is each of your favorite individual Spider-Man games. For me, I have to say, I believe it was a Spider-Man game that came out on the PlayStation. I think. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. It's like you start out the game, uh, like okay. on building. Uh, Black Cat comes uh, out of nowhere, tells you he's a robber at the bank. Yeah, so that's like, the one that had the Sinister Six in it, right? I think so. No, the, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Or it most of most of them. Version. Yeah, it was a much better uh, spot Sinister Six game than the one on NES. It yeah. also also had a, like all the symbiote symbiotic stuff in there as well. Like it was really good. But the funny thing is this: I didn't play it on the PlayStation. I played on PC. Mm, okay. Oh, PC. That was. I mean, I, it's probably the one like, I played the most. I really enjoyed it. Like, it was really well done. Like, for its time. Like nowadays, the graphics hold up. No, but the story was it was entertaining. It was like it was a good beat 'em up Spider-Man game. 
So mine would have to be two different time points. So obviously I'm going to steal from Kyle, which would be Maximum Carnage for the Super Nintendo. I was really wanting to talk about that. (laughs) You can talk about all day you want. Oh, no, no question. Yeah, keep on. And then probably my number two, well, not even number two, my other one would be the very first Spider-Man game for the movies. I just love the fact that you could play as the Green Goblin at the end of it. You know, after you beat the game, you get to play it again as Harry as the Green Goblin. And then, of course, you got, like, all the cheats. You had the big head and the (laughs) big feet cheats that you could do. You had the infinite stamina, all these crazy things. Oh, God. The the old cheats of how to make this game walky and fun. We make them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the first. You got to think back. Those days, that's almost what precursor data mining was like, you know? Yeah. Well. Yeah, you definitely nailed that one. I was going to say Spider-Man 2, and I, I like the Spider-Man on PlayStation based on the movie, but the fact you couldn't web-swing through the city just annoyed the crap out of me. Always Spider-Man drove me nuts. Like, what was he getting – what was he hooking onto that always drove me nuts about those 3D games? What's above you in the air when you're above the city that you're grabbing onto? I mean, think about the technology had back then. Like, it was limited what they could actually do. So, I mean, like – that was, that was early stages swinging through the city. Now we got, like, uh, the new Spider-Man games where, like, it's legit, like, you're swinging around and whatnot, like, but, like, you got to think about, again, time frame when it came out. That's true. The new Spider-Man game I absolutely loved, and the Miles Morales game was fantastic as well, too. Now, you had your two. Uh, for me, Spider-Man 2 was absolutely wonderful. But obviously, I got to go with Maximum Carnage. Number one, I remember the commercial like it was yesterday on the um, on the uh, for the Super Nintendo and also red cartridge. You knew how it was back in the day. If you saw a a game cartridge and it was a different color other than gray for the Super Nintendo, you know, okay, this shit's on the up and up. No doubt. and then the music, like, dude, it's all done by the band Green Jelly, who did the famous Three Little Pigs song. Yes. And they did these sick-ass covers of Sabbath. Uh, you you know, there's the third level where, you, where you're on the rooftop, you're fighting Shriek and Doppelganger. And, like, you, if you actually listen to that, that's the Mob Rules in 16-bit format by Sabbath. I wonder if they ever had to pay royalties to Sabbath or even... You know any of that? I, I was I I would probably say no because it was a cover. It you know they didn't borrow, you know they didn't do the the actual song of theirs. They just did their own version of it and put it in a different audio format. Uh, but that one always did it for me. And the one game I was really disappointed in because I wanted it to be so good. Separation anxiety. Yeah, that one was kind of a stinker. That goes back to the LJN ass in a bucket. Well, well, you well, you know who made it, of course. That's what I'm saying. It goes back to LJN. <laughs> Laughing, joking, numb nuts. Somewhere in New Jersey, there's a there's a fucking nerd who just got really triggered. <laughs> also, shout out to James Rolfe and the Angry Video Game Nerd franchise for reaching 200 episodes uh, last week. Yeah, uh, Byron, I don't know if you ever were a fan or have wa- sat down and watched the show. Back in like between like 2010, 2013, 14, I've watched a lot of the early stuff. No, yeah, uh, um, he recently just did. Uh, he's in. He's currently uh, just released part two of three, doing the unthinkable. 
he is reviewing every LJN game that he has not played. Oh, dear God. That man. There are 67 of them. He'd Pray rather for have a Buffalo soul. take a... Oh, God. He'd yeah, rather have diary a and dump in his, his ear. ear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and that's actually like I would love to just sit down and talk about like some classic episodes of that. Like my daughter, okay, my daughter. Before we continue on, when she was about, when she was, I want to say close to a year old, I would watch those with her. And whatever she was doing, she could be eating or something. No matter what, without fail, if you play the thing, the AVGN theme song, she stopped everything she was doing. <laughs> And was watching the screen when she heard he's gonna take you back to the past, uh, you know, and all of that. No matter what you were doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, whatever she was doing didn't matter. She would stop like it was in trance. But once she started repeating something she heard on on one of his episodes, yeah, I got in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've but, already kind of started doing that around here. Bub's gotten is starting to get closer to his parts. <laughs> Uh well you know folks uh, keep uh, get ready for the the brand new Spider Man movie to hit theaters and that's that's boy that's yeah, that's easily a billion dollar movie without question and folks are really really excited about that as as we all are well a bunch uh, of theaters are already sold out dude I mean we were looking at getting some tickets for opening night and they were already booked up we that was an absolutely wonderful uh, discussion on the brand new Spider Man movie. We want you to go and check it out as, as soon as it hits theaters. Jared, I know you said you tried to get in. There will be other opportunities. I don't doubt that. But that first night for a massive release, you never want to miss those. Uh, but with that being said, gentlemen, ladies, babies, children of all ages, it is time for our retro rewind segment of the week. Uh, this one is very near and dear to all of our hearts, as once again, we're all within the same age group, except one of us has, has already received mail from the AARP and has <laughs> <black hair>. uh, <laughs> But <laughs> um, the seventh generation of video game consoles is all, was our peak years. And, um, for, and I was a PlayStation kid, so getting that PlayStation 2 when I fi- uh, not when I finally got it, the first time I saw it was unlike anything I ever had seen in my entire life. And the first two games I remember seeing was Madden NFL 2001, and y'all know me, I love football. So at that time, we had never seen a video game, a football video game, look that good and be that clear, sharp, and realistic in the year 2000. But then there was another game made by Konami. You know, formerly not AIDS of gaming, and it was called Zone of the Enders. And I don't know if you, I don't know if either of you are familiar I with. Don't that. Know that uh, game. I'm not familiar. Okay, basically, uh, um, basically futuristic dystopian setting, and um, think um, like Vol- think like Voltron, but it yeah, think like kind of like Voltron, but it takes a place in like, it also takes place in outer space. But this game also had a demo on it. Hmm. A demo that as, as it turns out, when this full game was released, was part one of the game. Hmm. A little game you might know called Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. Okay. 
that the, the 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 tanker portion of that game where you play a solid snake and it just ends after you quote unquote complete the demo when you got the full game it they at that part was in the game and that was and it, and it turned out to be a massive bait and switch because then the real game starts and you're not solid snake at all so but um the PS2 that the, the launch for that here in the United States was was freaking unreal uh, i want to say it was november 27 2000 was when it released here in the united states and i remember i remember kmart y'all remember when we had kmart and poplar bluff yep. oh yeah uh, the line i remember seeing lines out to the end of that parking lot people waiting on out to the end of the parking lot waiting on the side of the building there were multiple lines to get in to get this thing. And up to that point, never seen anything like it. You guys remember the demo station there at the Kmart where you had one side was Xbox, one side was GameCube, one side was PS2? Yeah, absolutely. Those were some fond memories of just getting to try out new consoles. And then same way, like I remember being at Toys R Us at the launch of the PS2. It was a madhouse that Christmas because they still actually had like N64 out and everything. Um, I also remember. Yeah, I know you guys remember those at at, at a Walmart as well. Yes, oh, yeah. oh, I, I spent hours just sitting there, like in the electronics section, playing games. Yep, and and everything felt brand new to you. <laughs> yes. Um, oh yeah, because oh. you got the opportunity to try out a title, and then honestly, I miss those days where they had a TV just mounted up there, and you know, we had all these people circling around, like you know, want to try the game. You know, it kind of gave you that arcade experience in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and you know it was a great sample. It's like it's all definitely try it before you buy. Um, also, you know during that time, you know you had the launch of the Nintendo GameCube, and I know that one's very near and dear to both of you. And the original Xbox oh. with the Hulk, with the hulking Duke controller, which is the size of three Big Macs. Uh, <laughs> Byron was more of the Xbox man. I, well, I'm, I'm the guy over here on Nintendo Island still. Well, we all got our we all we all got our platforms to stand on. So Byron, since you were the Xbox guy, why don't you tell us about your earliest earliest experiences with Microsoft's first console? Well, for me, I remember I was I was young. I was still doing gymnastics at the time, and we were at some I can't remember where we just got out the meet. We're at Toys R Us, and started playing on the xbox and they had a game in there called grabbed by the ghoulies props to anybody who might even remember that title but like, no, no i remember it's, it it's just a, a straight up beat em up and you can literally take a zombie's arm and beat a zombie with his own arm that sounds awesome <laughs> like it is just a, a corny little game i actually somehow managed to I eventually somehow managed to actually beat the game not 100% complete the game, but definitely beat the game. Like, it isn't like there's a part where, like, you actually, like, you're fighting the freaking Grim Reaper. Like, it's something like it's just like a bunch of different little, like, little levels. It's just the overall Arky story, but like, as a whole, like, it's just it was a fun little game. And then from there, I progressed on to things like uh, Prince of Persia, Santa Time. Like, yep, with that first, great game. Oh, I've been a fan of that franchise for years. Like, it is just like that game one just sunk me in. I've been play, I played every one except for the one offshoot game, which we, I just don't mean don't consider part of it. And then uh, eventually ran to like started shooters. I played Halo like and play. I remember literally so many nights like on the weekends, friends come over, we stay up to like three four in the morning playing Halo and Halo Two multiplayer, just whacking the shit out of each other. 
I remember those days and then playing so, like wrestling on there. Oh, uh, Xbox didn't really have much in the way of wrestling. None of them that were super good. Actually, I yeah. have a story because we did have an Xbox when I was in high school uh, when I lived up the road from the public pool in the police station in town. Yeah. And uh, we had an original Xbox and had the game. And I believe I still have the game physically. WWE Raw 2 on Xbox. Uh, not the most polished game, but even though the wrestlers looked like they all had like three buckets of uh, of of a. Uh, Glit of goop dumped on them because they all were super shiny. But this game had the coolest, deepest create a wrestler entrance I had ever seen up to this point. Where you could you could separate what kind of lighting you had at the stage, at the ramp, when you got to the ring, what kind of pyro you had. You could time out how long the pyro was, and it was down to the most minute of details. I love that game. You could also pick the you could also pick out which referee you wanted for your matches. Because each of them had different had different uh, moving speeds and how and different counting speeds. Hmm. Dang. Um, yeah, so like that was that's an underrated game. Um, WWF Raw wasn't good on it. WrestleMania twenty one was not good at all. No, for that console. No. Uh, you thought Undertaker's entrance was slow in real life? Jeez, it takes him about fifteen minutes to get to the ring on that game. Um, I definitely but... say it wasn't until the next gen that wrestling games started really taking off. I actually kind of got to disagree on that because I was about to say I'm about to put my foot down on this. One. Yeah, straight up. Not even seventh generation. Sixth gen is when the shit started getting good for wrestling games on N64, WCW, NWO World Tour, and Revenge, PlayStation One, WCW versus the World, and WWF SmackDown One and Two. Now I know so, your role. Damn straight, slobber knocker mode. Yep. How many finishers can you? How many opponents can you beat in X amount of seconds? Easiest person to get for that: Stone Cold Steve Austin. And hey, get him groggy. Tap L one stunner, knockout, stunner, knockout. Or Shawn Michaels, sweet chin music, bam, bam, bam. Dude, you know? I was always good with Chris Benoit every time. But like for that, okay, for that mode, he wouldn't have been a good person to use because you want like someone with knockout finishers: Triple H, Austin, Rock. Um, well, you gotta uh, remember the time his finisher in there wasn't the crossface; it was actually the German suplexes he did. He did which wouldn't have made any sense because he was winning matches with crossfaces. But I digress. Um, no, like Xbox did not do well with wrestling games. Now that when you got to the 360 and the SmackDown vs. Raw games, yeah, they definitely did. Now GameCube, um, however, they stood on their own two feet with Day of Reckoning one and two. Uh, you're absolutely right, and, and it is absolutely your turn to take the platform and talk about your fondest memories of the GameCube. Oh, yeah. The first thing I remember whenever I got the GameCube, it was uh, Christmas. I think it was 2003 or 2004, and I got the Double Dash set. It came with two controllers, and Ooh. it was the Silver GameCube. Okay. Ooh. So that's what I had my first exposure to it. And then I remember periodically uh, my sister got me Super Mario Sunshine. I mean, I have fond memories of getting off from school, middle school, uh, early high school, you know, going home, playing that until mom got home every Friday with groceries. Because one thing I always looked forward to was like the Walmart deli. I don't know why, but that was always the thing I looked forward to. <laughs> and still looks forward to it, to it this year. Yeah, time. that explains a lot now. Yep, still thankful to, to this day. But then, no, like, great tiles on there. Legends of the Wind Waker. Uh, obviously, Resident Evil 4. I mean, you had, you know, 
coming off that year you had on the PS2 SmackDown vs. Raw, uh, their callback and answer from Nintendo was Day of Reckoning 1 and 2. Uh, you could get down to the detail of your lighting, your pyro, your ring pyro. Like It, it was so detailed in how you made your entrances as well, too. Same way as your character creation. You could have somebody as super-duper small, not as quite small as Kyle, or you could have somebody <laughs> skyscraper status. And just it, it was just so much fun. And then you could either later on you could either do create do certain little tweaks to your finishers, or you could even just pick. I always had the last ride. That was always my finisher. Great finisher. But you know, different things like that. Fond memories of Luigi's Mansion. That was another game I got at Christmas time. And then I remember the horrible Mad Cat memory cards. Mad Cat made absolute crap. Oh, those things! Those things would those things get corrupted so easily because they're cheap. Well, dude, the whole problem was I remember going in there. It was like, oh yeah, no data can be found on this, and you'd have to blow in it and reinsert it. And it was like, oh yeah, it works now, just fine. And then I remember getting my first Pelican one, and I was like. God, what have I been playing on? <laughs> right. I remember the wave. I remember the Wavebird controller and the whole advertisement of being able to play GameCube from the toilet. Oh, dude, I enjoyed that. I had a wireless Wavebird. Smash Brothers was on there. The GameCube just had a great cult following after the N sixty four. There was so much stuff that carried over, and then of course you had Smash Melee. Melee was on there. You had freaking. Fire Emblem was on there as well. You had the Game Boy Player that you could put to the bottom of, which I still have to this day. It's where you could play your Game Boy, Game Boy Color games, Game Boy Advance games. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. And the, actually, the funny thing is, the Nintendo actually had a broadband, huh, gosh, can't talk today, broadband adapter. And it actually had, uh, the funny thing, Kyle, is Philips actually made a GameCube that had a DVD player in it. Phillips, the same company that gave us the CDI. Yep, if you look it up, man, it's it's kind of comical. You can still find them out there in circulation where it has a Phillips DVD player in it. So, you know, Nintendo's still in bed with those guys to a degree at that time. Phillips is unforgiven for what they did to Zelda. But they evidently wanted to put a DVD player on there. And then if you went and looked at, like, the Japanese ones, the funny thing was it wasn't a Phillips DVD player in theirs. It was actually a... I think it was a... Uh, God bless. I think it was... Either Toshiba or something. I can't remember. It was something almost like her. It was a weird one that they had. A weird DVD player built into that. And it was like, okay, makes sense. <laughs> I'll tell you a couple of games that, like, for the GameCube that, like, uh, Nintendo took a real shot in the dark on was uh, Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon uh, Shadows. Uh, XD Gale of Darkness. Yeah, Gale of Darkness. Like, those were two games that, like, I feel like were kind of underrated at the time. But, like... To this day, like there's, there's still there's, like some of those sought after games. Oh yeah, they're definitely sought after. I mean, they produced such great content back in those days, and I mean, even like fighting games. I sold you Kyle on Soul Calibur two on the GameCube. Yeah, I can't believe after all these years, I uh, up until this year I had never played it, and then I actually sat down, got the game, and I played it, and. I immediately called you and I screamed, why haven't I ever played this? Because it had the smoothest controls, the I've, controls ever, like I've, ever, I've ever experienced in any fighting game. And I literally mean any fighting game. So Combat 2 was really played. good. I, I had it on PS2 as a, as a Sony guy. I always had that version that had Heihachi Mashima, and I dismissed 
like a link or like you know, he's a pansy or whatever you know because you know he was wearing little green booties and i know i have a lot of nintendo friends outside of youtube that probably want to kick my ass for saying that but that's how i felt at the time um, I, get, I get it like i know, had to talk to hero time all day man i, we, I was I very <laughs> i was very snobbish towards the gamecube because i just felt it did not cater to what my sensibilities were when I was in high school. I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Hard, you know, hard rock wrestling and new metal dude and listen and and watching Viva La Bam every Sunday night, wishing I had the balls to pull pranks like that on my mother. If I did, I wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> um, but dude, but, you had Resident Evil 4 on there though. You had all these I titles. didn't own that. I didn't own that. Wait. No, I didn't own that game until years later for that console. I, I used to spend weekends at a friend's house playing that where we tried to beat the game, and I don't even remember if we did. No, the games that I predominantly played in my house during when I was in high school were Final Fantasy X, um, and also special shout-out to my first girlfriend, Sam, for helping me beat that game when I finally did in 2010. Took me nine years to beat that damn game. Uh, played a lot of that. We played a ton of SmackDown versus Raw in our house, preferably 06 um, at the time. Also, Midnight Club Street Racing, uh, Midnight Club 3 Dub Edition was undefeated in my house. Um, my, my brother and my sister, uh, Courtney and Darian, would always do the arcade modes against each other where you get power ups and everything. No joke, I love playing those games for the soundtrack. <laughs> oh dude i can give you that but i'll be honest with you those times between xbox and ps2 and gamecube i think gamecube honestly went the hardest just because they went outside their comfort zone and brought in a lot of these titles that were more geared toward a mature audience yeah but like i at the time i didn't feel that when i'm like man nintendo's still being you know catering to kids and like i'm not a kid anymore you know i'm a teenager and this is what i like blah 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 um, now for Xbox, there was this there was one fighting game that we had in our house, and Byron, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was made by uh, Ed Boon and John Tobias, who created obviously Mortal Kombat. And it was called Tao Fang Fist of the Lotus. I remember that. I'm okay. not familiar. This was a hyper cheap knockoff of uh, Mortal Kombat. I mean, it was released. It was published by Midway. But the cool thing about it, it was the first game that had interactive environments, and also where. The, where uh, characters' clothing tore. I'll and argue it, that. I'm about to say and Power Stone, man. Yeah, for the Dreamcast, Power Stone's magnificent. That's that's a great game that never got enough love because the Dreamcast didn't last long enough. But that was one game. That Tao Fang was one game we always had in our house. And once again, like I said, it was a very cheap knockoff. But uh, that is what I remember. Also, getting to enjoy... Um, obviously the GTA, you know, run like the re the revitalization of Grand Theft Auto with GTA three and having Vice City in the house and also playing Madden during those days when Madden was a desirable game to get and not a cash grab like it is now. And, you know, just and having so many options. And I think that's the coolest part about those three consoles launching roughly around the same time is that you had choices. And the real winner at the end of the day was were, were video game fans in general. Oh yeah, because like I remember like a couple of games that like really got me was uh what really got me into like the uh, RPG like genre was Fable Lost Chapters. Like yeah, I'm... it was just it was such a phenomenal game like a, a, a RPG game that literally was like 
the, I don't <laughs> say it's the 100% true this way, but like, I feel like it was one of the first rule games. Like Every choice you made from the game, from the start of the game to the end of the game, there was a consequence for that choice. And mm-hmm. how you, your, where you decided affected what happened throughout the game. And like, I'll it was, tell you one. It was Go amazing. Ahead, Go on. And like I said, then also, like, I got, uh, we got uh, the one game that released for it that literally got me. Uh, it's still to this day my number one all time favorite game, Star Wars Knights of the Republic. Like, it's, it's, like, it's just amazing. Like, that game was literally a, for me, it's, again, it's, you can't get much better on a Star Wars game than that. Well, the two that got me for RPGs for the GameCube was obviously Lord of the Rings of Third Age and then a great four-player Final Fantasy, the Crystal Bears, or Crystal Chronicles, I'm sorry. That one was an- another great one I enjoyed on there because how often do you actually get you know usage of all four controllers at the same time and you could actually have somebody play each individual character during that game? Um, not in Final Fantasy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that was like a groundbreaker, man. Uh, for that. Also, well, a great thing was like we got lots of like fun little arcade games. Like, uh, I remember we rented a game called actually a uh, year or two ago. I actually bought a hard copy of it. Was a game called Kung Fu Chaos. You're, literally, now that one I don't remember that. I'm not familiar with that. So it's it's a kind of a uh, it's not a very popular or well known title, but essentially the premise of the game is uh, the story mode you play through different acts or whatnot, and you're literally trying to be a kung fu movie star it's got a roster of different characters there's characters you can unlock and certain ways you can do that and you're literally just going through these missions and just like or these levels whatever just like they're beat-em-ups and you're creating a kung fu movie and then if you play multiplayer you pick a scene or whatever or level you play through it and at the end of it you can actually like pick the soundtrack you want to run for the movie and you can literally like watch like you guys in an arena fighting and beating each other the, the crap each other activating supers and uh, well, the whole time Kung, uh, Kung Fu Fighting's playing the background. Wait, like the song Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting? Yes. Oh, man. Why do I need to play this? That sounds amazing. Oh, uh, during the bachelor party, I'll bring my. Uh, if we can find an Xbox, I'd say we could probably. I can bring the game down. Wait, dude, Xboxes are cheap. I mean, here's Kyle's like, got one. He's sitting on at his house. I don't know if I mean, it if, works if, or as not. long as it works. It's, and we it, got controllers. It, 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 okay, it works, but first off, it's modded and it doesn't have a shell over it, and there's no disc tray. Oh, <laughs> so like, again, the thing is, like, like 2002 modded. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll be making a trip down to the local game shop here, and I'll see if they have one. Like I said, the biggest, the biggest thing with like gold console, like especially the Xbox. Like I, we have one at my house, but like after a certain point in time, the disc reader just stopped working. I think that was a lot of the issue with those consoles at the time. The only one that really held up was like the GameCube. I remember the disc tray and the PS2s. That's why they went to the top loader for the Slims for. Ah. I never thought about why they did that. I mean, it's ingenious, but you got to think over time that hardware is going to wear down. Yeah, yeah right. true. Um, but I, I have a very, I have a fondness for the big brick uh, model PS2. Oh, yeah, and, so many people um, did mods to those things, too. Yeah, and they're easily moddable compared to a, to a Slim. And I, I eventually did get a Slim. I had a Silver Slim uh, about, what, 2008? Yeah about, yeah, about 2008 is when I got that and wore that SOB out. I remember playing um, Guitar Hero on that over your house. Yeah, you know what? I've had the biggest itch to play Guitar Hero in the last few months. Finding a controller that works in this day and age is rough. 
Well, your it mom is. probably still has those two controllers that we left over there, bro. I mean, like, we still have, like, me and my brother, we had uh, two, but, like, even to this day, like, the, uh, like, the uh, strum part, like, it's it's not hold up. It didn't hold up. Like, it, you, this is strum uh, and work as well as it used to. Like, there's times mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, like, hit the note, but, like, it's strum, but, like, it's not doing it. See, I've thought about hunting down, like, some classic rock band and stuff. I mean, that, that's... Yeah, you and I used to have a lot of fun playing rock band at your parents' house. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, well, well, folks, once again, uh, that's our Retro Rewind segment of the week. We're just waxing poetic about what we consider to be the greatest generation of console of gaming consoles of all time. With all respect to the console war, OG, Super NES, and Genesis. Um, but if you have any comments or memories you'd like to share with us on the on the episode, uh, once we have this episode up on uh, social media, feel free to hit us up at Beards, Brews, and Bros on Facebook. Also, email us at Beards, Brews, and Bros at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. You know, um, every you know everybody's got stories now. Um, um, we're gonna and we'll have some very exciting content for next week's show as well. Fellas, you have anything else for the folks today? Well, just pending, like I said, how Monday plays out for us. Like I said, it, it, either this week we will be expecting baby and we'll be on time for Monday. If not, depending on how the week plays out, we might be delayed for our podcast for next week. Absolutely, because once again, we are all on baby alert for you and uh, and Miranda. Very much looking forward to to the, your your arrival, and it's going to be a great day. Yep, oh, absolutely, guys. And then, of course, we'll always we'll, we'll have some great content for you guys when we come back, and obviously have some great updates because hopefully by then I'll have a cute bundle of joy in my arms as I'm recording this podcast. And, and we surely will have. And I'm not talking about you, Kyle. <laughs> Listen here, you know what? I did shave today because like I wasn't all that cute this week, and I forgot to shave because like I was starting to turn into starting to turn into Teen Wolf over here. Oh man. <laughs> well, well, guys, I tell you what. One thing always remember. Be kind and always please rewind. Thank you. We'll see you next week. And see you guys next week.